0: Welcome in, 1010XL, 92.5 FM, the 1010XL.com podcast network, Gator Bites, a second weekly look at Florida Gator Athletics here on 1010XL.com. Of course, Frank Frangi and Dan Hicken, they have you with all things Gators. And now myself, along with Denny Thompson, we'll have you on Gator Bites every week here on 1010XL.com. Denny, it's been a while since you and I shared a studio, man. How are you?
1: I'm good, roughly uh, November. I believe it was. High school, the end of high school football.
0: Friday Night Lights, man. Three rounds deep deep in
1: the playoffs this past year.
0: That's right. That's right. A lot of fun. A lot of guys moving on to play college football. Unfortunately, none of the guys we saw under the Friday Night Lights here locally, at least in 2019, are going to play for the Florida Gators. We'll see what happens in the class of 2019, 2020. But certainly, we're going to be here every week, 1010XL.com. Talking Florida Gators, talking Florida Gator athletics. Little basketball, little football, but mainly what we wanted to get into today, Denny, is the recruiting. One National Signing Day is in the books. The second National Signing Day about three weeks away. A lot of hay is in the barn for Dan Mullen and the Gators here in 2019. They ended December very, very strong. Getting those three kids from Lakeland, Florida, including Zipper, the tight end, Hammond, the big lineman, Summerall, the defensive end, all four-star prospects. And they picked up early in 2019 with Chris Steele, the four-star corner from California, and R.J. Henderson, the four-star wide receiver from Texas. So, Dan Mullen working on a top-ten class here as the 2019 cycle is about complete.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it's The year ends in, in great fashion, and, and it's a year that none of us Gator fans really saw coming, I don't think. I think if if, if you saw it coming, then you were very optimistic going into the year so. If you stack on top of that just the momentum that Dan Mullen has created and his staff has created, and you think back to the summer when it seemed like there were crickets in Gainesville, nothing going on whatsoever, all we heard was Florida State, stuff like that, it really is remarkable, and it shows the power of what you can do on the field. And the way that Dan Mullen has always recruited and the way that he said he was going to recruit when he got to Florida was I'm a relationship guy. I'm going to build relationships with high school coaches. I'm going to build relationships with guys. And that's how we're going to recruit. We're not going to be a a high pressure. We're going to come into your house and sell you and get an instant commitment. And it's paid off to this far.
0: There are a couple of cherries on top. Florida would like to add in February. I think Kyrie Elam is the main one, Matt Elam's nephew. He is a four-star athlete, a wonderful football player from the South Florida area. Also, Mark Anthony Richards is a guy Florida would like to add as well. But by and large, Denny, this 2019 Florida recruiting class, a lot of guys are already enrolled. Dan Mullen did a very good job. Again, it's going to be close to a top 10 class. But I'll tell you one thing, not only 2019, when you look at the work Mullen's putting in in 2020, they're already number three in the country currently in 2020. They believe uh, eight, nine commitments already Dan Mullen has uh for commits to come to Gainesville in the 2020 class, they just landed a four-star wide receiver uh this past week from Ocala, Florida. So, the bottom line is not only is the future looking bright in the 2019 class, the future is looking very bright for the 2020 class as well. Yeah,
1: they're they're killing 20. I mean, f- four four-star commitments right now. And here's the thing about when you start taking commitments this early in in the game for for two cycles ahead. So twenty, so you're closing up 2019, 2020. Unless you are really fond of the guy, you don't take a three-star right now. Like, you you only take the commitment. So there's offers that are non-commit, non-committable non offers, right? So you can, I can offer you, Hacker, and you can turn around and say, well, I want to commit, and I can say, no, we're not going to take your commitment, mm-hmm. right? But then there's other offers where, hey, I'm offering you, and it's legit, I want to take that commitment. Those are guys that they know – for a fact that they want, that they're not waiting for somebody else to fall off. That's the situation with these four for 2020, or five for 2020, is we know we want these dudes. These dudes are legit. These are some of the best players in the country. We want to get you now. We want you to get you committed, and we want to get you recruiting for that class in addition to what we do.
0: You talk to a lot of kids, not only around the area, but really around the state and the southeast region of the country. What's the feedback you're hearing about Dan Mullen, about the Gator coaching staff, and about the momentum they're building right now?
1: I mean, it's all good feedback. It's funny because it's not, it's not excitement. It's not like what we used to hear with Urban Meyer. Um, it's not what a lot of times you hear with Clemson and Dabo, and, but it's solid. It's, it's the guys that six months ago didn't have Florida in their top five. They're now in their top two. It's the, man, I really like Florida. I like what Florida's doing. I see the direction they're in. I like the staff that they have. But they're not built for excitement. They're not built for excitement on the recruiting trail, is what I meant. They're they're built for relationships, and relationships take time. And so I, I think the way that Florida has constructed their staff and the way that their recruiting um, strategy goes, then – it's going exactly as planned. As everything is going exactly as planned in Gainesville right now for the Florida Gator football team.
0: That is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker Ryan Green. This is Gator Bites, the newest addition to the 1010XL.com podcast network. We'll be here with you each and every week. Denny, if you look about things that are going right, and I agree with you, there is a lot going right for Florida. I think you and I want to have a conversation about Miami and about that first game coming up in the 2019 season in a moment. But you look today – the deadline for underclassmen to declare for the draft has now come and gone. Let's take a look at the guys Florida kept. Let's take a look at the guys that Florida is losing. We will begin with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. That's a no-brainer. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was an absolute stud in the Peach Bowl, including a pick six. In that whitewashing over Michigan, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is going to go to the league. And Denny, I think he's going to be very, very good in the NFL. Yeah, I
1: do too. I mean, what a bowl game player. What a bowl game career he had at Florida and... Really the perfect guy to go through the ups and downs that Florida had while he was there. You know, professional the whole time basically was a was a cheerleader for this program. Um, same guy going out that he was coming in as far as excitement goes and really showed a blueprint of, yeah, you can sit out your last bowl game, but you also can make money your last bowl game. Florida's going to miss him, but th- there's enough talent behind him. But Chauncey Gardner is one of those guys that he's proudly going to say – at every intro for in the NFL, I went to the University of Florida, and that's it. what you want.
0: He absolutely loved it. Now, Florida did get some bad news on the lines of scrimmage. Taylor, the big tackle. Also, Ja'Kai Polite, defensive end, both going to the league. Although, Denny, you can't fault those kids. No. Both appear to be ready to play on Sundays. No,
1: it, you can't fault them at all, uh, especially Polite. Um, I mean, this guy, I've seen mocks now. I'm seeing him where he's in the top eight. Yeah. You know, naive, it was top 15. It was even top 20 during the season, top 15, when it first ended. He's now a I'm guy that'll eight. go to the
0: combine and people's mouths will drop. He's going to kill it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's going to absolutely kill it. But, I, you know, it's...
0: The loss of the, Taylor Hurts because you're losing four along the offensive line. That's going to be an issue. That's probably the biggest issue for Dan Mullen. People thought it was quarterback play. Well, the way Franks played at the end of the year, I'm okay with the way Felipe Franks played. I'm more concerned now... With losing four offensive linemen,
1: well, that's where I was. That's where I was going. The offensive line at the beginning of the year was horrendous. I mean, you remember the Kentucky game. Everybody remembers the Kentucky game. Yeah, it was bad. At the end of the year, they weren't great, but they were dependable. And I think Mullen had gotten used to okay. Here's what I can do with this offensive line, and more importantly, here's what I can do with Felipe, which we'll get into a little bit. Um, it's just a matter. I think at this point, you got you've got good players. You, the University of Florida. Every Division One Power 5 school, major blue-chip school especially, should have depth at that position. So now it's a matter of can Mullen figure out by week one what that offensive line can and can't do in conjunction with what Felipe or Emery, whoever he's going to roll out as a starter, can and can't do.
0: The last two guys that went pro, Basan Joseph, Jordan Scarlett, any surprise to you for either one of those?
1: I'm a little surprised by Jordan Scarlett. Um I mean, I think he's going to do well at the combine. He's going to put up good numbers. He's an explosive guy. Uh, and, and I think he maybe – that has as much to do with, you know, if I stay, I'm going to split carries. Uh, so, I might as well go because I'm not real sure that he's going to have better stats, you know, his final year engagement. Yeah, I don't know how he much he now. could have improved himself right. coming back. Right. Right. So, but, I mean, from a – he's not somebody that I thought week 10 – oh, this guy's got a real shot at leaving and doing well in the NFL. So I'm a little surprised by that. Joseph is your prototypical NFL linebacker. He's, he's going to get his money. So I, that doesn't surprise me at all.
0: The guys that came back, and I love the way Florida did it, it's almost like it was choreographed on a Saturday every hour. You had a guy releasing something on social media saying they're coming back. The two big ones to me, Denny, LaMichael Pirine, Van Jefferson, those two guys coming back to the Gator offense – is huge for Dan Mullen.
1: Did you ever really think they were going to leave?
0: Uh, I was wondering about Van. Van Jefferson's a prototypical wide receiver in the NFL. He's big. He's physical. He can make tough catches. Uh, so I was I was legitimately interested to see what he was going to do. I didn't really think P. Ryan would leave. But the fact that Scarlett left, if P. Ryan would have left, Florida would have had issues at running back.
1: Yeah, I wasn't that surprised about Van because if he has a good year next year and this offense started to pick up steam... He can improve his draft status by a couple of rounds. I mean, if he would have come out this year, he'd have been a fourth rounder. Mm-hmm. You know, th- maybe third, probably fourth. But if if he goes out and he does what we all saw him do sparingly this year, I mean, he could be a high second rounder.
0: So I, Zuniga Aniga surprised you at all. Not really. Um really? I mean, I, I guess I'm not surprised by any of them. Stay in or go. I mean, David Reese needed to come back because he well, the problem is he's not gonna get any taller. And that's going to be the problem with David Reese. I don't know how much he's going to improve his draft stock, much like Scarlett. But I just think Reese is a – I mean, for the Gators and what they do on defense, David Reese needs to be out there. Todd Grantham needs David Reese. So from a Gator perspective, I think it's very valuable Reese came back. Uh, you look at guys like Adam Schuer coming back, that didn't surprise me at all. In fact, I thought it was funny he released a statement yeah, that gonna, he was coming back. I think
1: some of those were just like, well, everybody else is saying something. I might as well. I, yeah. I don't think they were ever – Probably half those guys never even put into the NFL to find out what the draft is. If you
0: would have told me though, five, six games in, Jabari Zaniga at that point was gonna come back for a senior year, mm-hmm. I probably would have been surprised about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I can see that. I, I think he another year of stats, another year of, of of just improvement, another year in this system, the Grantham system, does nothing but help.
0: What about Felipe Franks moving into spring ball? Spring ball gets underway, what, about two months from now, the orange and blue debut about three months from now. After what you saw from Felipe Franks, Denny, second half against South Carolina, the Florida State game, the Michigan game, are you okay with Felipe Franks being the starter right now in Gainesville? It
1: has less to do with Felipe Franks, more to do with what Dan Mullen's wanting to do for me. So here's my, here's my thought on Felipe. Felipe showed us at the end of the year that they can win with Felipe, and they can even pull away in some games like Florida State and Michigan, big wins, right? But I still think that to a certain extent with his skill set that Dan Mullen is a little bit handcuffed. And if Dan Mullen feels like Emory Jones gives him the chance to take those cuffs off all the way, then I think you're going to see a legitimate competition. If Dan Mullen feels like Emory needs another year, um, then – then maybe you see more of the same of what we got last year, which necessary, isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I, I don't think – I think Felipe's serviceable. I think we've seen kind of the top of the top for Felipe, um, which is, is like I said, is good enough. But I think Dan Mullen wants more. And so I think you will see a quarterback – a legit quarterback competition. He may not say it in the spring because you Felipe's been through hell and back at Florida. I mean, how many times has this guy been benched?
0: To the fact that he shh his right. home crowd. Right. So, yeah. you, you you don't want to
1: – he probably doesn't want to to put that out there. And I know that Dan Mullen and Felipe Frank's relationship is solid. It's they, They've got a great relationship. Um, but at the same time, Dan Mullen knows what he wants this offense to look like. And I don't think it looked like he thought it should look like at any point last year.
0: Emory Jones, to me, looked a little slight when he was out there. I don't know if he has the build to – take the pounding as a Felipe Franks did. Is Emory Jones big enough to run what Dan Mullen wants to run in 2019?
1: Well, I guess that's my point, is I'm not sure Felipe Franks has the build to take the pounding that Felipe Franks took. like okay. I, yeah. it, For a whole other year. I guess that's kind of my point, is I don't think that's the offense. I don't think Dan Mullen really wants to run quarterback sweep at Florida. You know, an occasional zone read or something like that, fine. An occasional quarterback draw where you have a chance to get down, okay, cool. But I don't think that there's a quarterback there he wants to really run quarterback sweep with. Now, the thing you got to remember about Emory, Emory came in early last year. So, really, when you look at it, he had January, February, and then May, because they are in spring football, to really bulk up at Florida. And then he had the summer. And then the summer, yeah, you're bulking up, but you're also doing a ton of cardio, like a, a ton of running. And so, I, I think we'll see Emory put some weight on. My bigger thing with Emory is is his accuracy. Can he be I've seen Emory, can he be can he be consistent throwing the football? Jalen's gonna push now. Jalen Jones is gonna push. Yeah,
0: we had you on XL primetime to talk about Jalen Jones. You've seen Jalen Jones many times during this recruiting process. for people that don't know Denny about Jalen Jones, kind of give an overview where he's from, what type of player is he?
1: Yeah, Jalen's um, from the Northeast. What is he, from Maryland?
0: I think you have Maryland, Virginia area. Virginia area, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Um, played at a very good high school. Transferred this past year, but played at St. Francis High School his junior year, which was one of the top five uh, programs in the country. Um, I had a chance to see him through Elite 11. And the knock on Jalen going into last offseason was he was small. He was like 180 pounds. I witnessed this. I was the one that
0: weighed him at Elite 11. He was a solid 205. Yeah. Um, and that's what he told me. That's what... The recruiting uh, services, that's where the three-star. People saw him at 180. Yep. He then didn't go to some camps for a while. He shows up at another camp. All of a sudden, he's 205, and he's 25 he's, pounds of muscle. He's yoked. And then people were saying, whoa. Well, and I'll, on that alone, I think, got him his fourth star.
1: So here's here's the story. is it, it was Charlotte Elite 11. And I don't think Jalen really was part of that. He didn't. A lot of guys' goals is to make that Elite 11 finals. I don't think that was really Jalen. Jalen was focused on other things. But he walked in, and I saw him on the roster as guys that were going to be there. And when he walked in, I was doing a different station. And my co host, James Coleman on the Sports Den, and I were talking about it. And when I saw him walk in, I, I ran over. I said, Y'all hold on for just a second. And I ran over, and I watched him weigh. And I took a picture of the scale. Because when, I, when he walked in, I was like, Holy cow, what has this kid been doing? And then he got out there and he's just he's so explosive and so quick twitch. They're gonna be able to use him. And I know for a fact, I have been told by the Gator staff, they love Jalen Jones. Mm-hmm. They they wanted Jalen Jones from the minute they saw him. Jalen Jones wanted to be at Florida from the minute that he was recruited by him, and it was he never wavered. He was one of their best recruiters all year long. There's a mutual commitment there. And they will try to find ways to get him on the field.
0: And Jalen Jones is already enrolled at the University of Florida, very similar to Emory. He's going to go through January, February, March, into spring ball, and then summer conditioning. All right, before we look forward, if I had to ask you right now, on January, what are we, January 15th, mid-January, right, when this podcast is being recorded, who is the opening day starter for the Gators, August 31st against Miami? What say you?
1: I'm going to say Felipe. Felipe because a little hesitation there yeah a lot a lot i mean i i want to say emory because of what you can do with emory but because it's miami and it's not charleston southern no knock on charleston southern but because it's a rivalry game I'm going to say it's going to be Felipe, but I would be ready to see Emory 25 snaps.
0: What about Miami? Mark Richt out, Boy. Manny Diaz in. We have Leon Circe on with us on primetime, and I asked him, I said, first-time head coach? I mean, it's one thing to be at Temple as a first-time head coach, and I understand the great defensive coordinator he was, but your first gig, your first game as a head coach at the U, taken on Florida in late August? It's a tall order for Manny Diaz.
1: It's a tall order for Manny Diaz. It's a tall order for Florida because I think the Florida staff would tell you they would have much preferred to know what was coming at them. Mm-hmm. And if, if Mark Richt was still there, if, that's, if that staff was still semi in place, then you would have a whole offseason of probably better football, a better football team with better athletes at Florida preparing for a team that you knew what was going to do. You have no idea. You have absolutely no idea what's going to do. I mean, if you try to look at the the Alabama film to, to get Enos, that's he wasn't the OC.
0: Could it be Jalen Hurts taking snaps for Miami it, at that point?
1: Exactly. You don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I mean, it, it's it's going to be an interesting thing. And a lot of times, in those games, you have to play base defense to start, and you have to make in-game adjustments on on what you see from that. Um, you have to stay, you have to play purely what personnel they send out. You send out defensively. Um, so. I would feel more comfortable if it was status quo in Miami. Now, do I think that Miami is going to be good next year? No, I don't. But that first game scares me more right now than it did at the end of bowl season.
0: No, I agree. I agree. The unknown, the uncertainty. Uh, What about Jalen Hurts? What about Tate Martell? Which guy is going to be at Miami? It'll certainly be interesting. Well, Well, Tate will have to sit out. I thought he's not gonna be I thought he's a grad transfer.
1: No, Tate no Tate's just a transfer.
0: Okay, so Tate's just a transfer. Yeah. Jalen would be able Jaylen to play. Jalen would right be away. able to play Tate That's one, right. two, Yeah, That's right. Jalen, because Jalen's a grad transfer. Right. He would have to play right away. Boy, the Tate Martell thing's interesting. It's crazy, isn't he it? He sends something out on Twitter saying he welcomes competition, basically bring it on. Justin Fields goes to Columbus. Tate Martell four days later, is out of there. Tate that Martell's was an very interesting. Odd.
1: He's an interesting dude, man. He needs a reality show. Yeah. He is he's Johnny Manziel two Hmm.
0: Yeah, About the same size, right? 5'11"? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're very similar, and he's very exciting to watch. All right, interesting. All right, now, a lot more football, certainly, here on Gator Bites as we progress into spring ball coming up in a couple of months. Again, we're here with you every week on 1010XL.com, but certainly Gator basketball in full swing. Denny 9-6, and 1-2 <laughs> and two in the SEC, 9th um, in the standings in the Southeastern Conference. I made this argument. On prime time. I know I listen to you guys on Sports Den as well. Talk about college hoops from time to time. I made the argument that Mike White could basically be the equivalent of Will Muschamp. And what I meant by that was a lot of excitement, young guy coming in, a lot of passion, what have you. Second year, Will Muschamp, 11-1. and one. one Jordan Reed fumble away from maybe playing for a national title. Second year for Mike White, Elite Eight. Chris Chiosa at the buzzer in the Sweet 16 at the Garden. Mm-hmm. Everything's great. Last year, Florida gets into the tournament and it's knocked out in the second round. This year, they start 9-6. and six. They have been just lambasted by teams like Florida State, lose heartbreakers to Michigan State, Tennessee, were dominated by Oklahoma. Look.
1: Should have beat Butler.
0: And- now, they beat Funny, they played Butler twice. They yeah. lost to him once yep. and they beat him once. It's just odd how the schedule worked out. But at the end of the day... At the time of this recording, the Gators are 9-6. and six. Denny, I believe they're going to have to go minimum 10-5 and five to make the tournament, and I don't believe they're going to do that. And in year four, when you don't have an interior presence and you're struggling to make the big dance, I think that's a problem in Gainesville right now.
1: It's like we want to believe that they're going to flip a switch, right? I don't know about you, but when you watch Florida Gator basketball, every game is, okay, this is the game. like. This is the game we're going to see Mike White do what he did a couple years ago. This is the game where we're going to see him hit threes. This is a game where we're going to see exciting basketball. And you see like little spurts of it occasionally. And then nothing. And and the reason I mentioned the Butler thing is you look at the two times they played them, and it's a perfect example of what this Gator basketball team is. One time they lose 61-54. The next time they beat them 77-43. It's like like you, you can't decide what they are. Would it surprise you at all? I mean, at all, if they run off at Mississippi State, at Georgia, Texas A&M, at TCU, the next four.
0: I'll tell you, it would surprise me if they won all four of them, but I hear you. I'll tell you what else. Now, this is a positive towards Mike White. I believe the team plays hard. I do believe they play hard. They play defense. They try. They just don't have...
1: That's the equivalent of they've got a great personality. Right.
0: They just don't have some talent out there from time to time. And I'm sorry, man. In year four... When you struggle in the interior like they do getting athletes, yeah, yep. and I know there's some kids coming in next year, I get it, but this is four years of this, that's um that's a troublesome thing. I'm not saying Mike White's in any job danger. I'm saying I think a lot of the luster that was built two years ago with that Elite Eight run has definitely come off now.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the reason. I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think that's the reason why when I watch them, I'm still semi, not optimistic, hopeful, but I'm starting to lose that. Like what I just said. like I'm looking at their schedule going, well, we could run off four or five in a row. And then I, and then I catch myself, no, we
0: can't because we're not any good. Like I, I'm still stuck in between there, much like Will Muschamp. If Florida plays a good team, they need to hit 10 threes to have a chance. And now you saw that against Tennessee. They were shooting very well against Tennessee. And in the last three minutes, they just simply ran out of gas, man. Tennessee outscores them 18-4. to four down the stretch to win the game by 11, Florida just, uh, the gas tank was empty, and I think you're going to see that a lot when they play these better teams not only in the SEC, but if they're fortunate enough, and they would have to be fortunate at this point, in my opinion, to make the NCAA tournament
1: Hacker, I know you pretty well, so I'm going to ask you this and I think I already know the answer How bothered were you by Tennessee and the Gator Chomp
0: thing? It bothered me In fact, <laughs> in fact I, put, and I, got some, I got some grief on Twitter I said, you know what my response to that is? I said forty-seven twenty-one. I put the football. Oh, uh, you went that on way on them. That was what I did. Yeah. Can but I it, be it honest? Can
1: I be honest? It didn't bother me at all. Yeah. It, well, it from really what did.
0: I heard, the rowdy reptiles were, um, I guess, giving those players the business yeah. during the game.
1: Well, that's part of the reason it doesn't bother me, and the other part of the reason is, if Florida was playing Florida State and the reverse happened and our Florida fans started doing the tomahawk chop, we would all be.
0: That's awesome. Oh, you mean when Chauncey Gardner-Johnson had the Seminole right, head there? Right, right.
1: We'd all be, that's awesome. I, I actually think it's what makes college sports different. and fun. If you do that in high school, it's gross, right? Everybody, These kids are This is a 16-year-old kid doing that. If you're doing the NFL, you get a flag. If you do it in college, it's just part of the rivalry, and I actually like it. I actually
0: we'll, really like it. We'll be here every week. Gator Bites, the newest addition to the 1010XL.com podcast family. Every week, Denny Thompson, Will join me or I in the Hacker Green, and we will have you covered for Florida Gator athletics all throughout the year. Denny Sports Den, nine to eleven, ten ten XL, and ninety two point five FM every weeknight. What can people look forward to?
1: I don't know. We just come in here and have fun. We literally we call ourselves the Seinfeld of radio because we don't know what we're going to talk about from night to night. We have a general idea. We just kind of let it happen. Like last night's show was a blast. We ended up laughing our way through half of it. So. Good stuff. You can expect to be entertained, and who knows what James is going
0: to say. I love it. And, of course, you'll hear me on XL (laughs) Primetime alongside Joe Cowart, Matt Hayes, and Lunch with Leon, Leon Searcy every day, 10 to 3, here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. It is all part of 17 hours of local programming Monday through Friday here on the home. Of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Denny, I enjoyed it, man. We'll do it again next week. I'll see you next week. For Denny Thompson, I'm the hacker Ryan Green. Thank you, Jacksonville, for listening to the first edition of Gator Bites here on the 1010XL.com podcast network.